Welcome in to the 48 Minutes Podcast on Believe, presented by Bet Online. I'm Ross Geiger, joined alongside Bruce Bernstein of Pure Hoops Media and World B Michael Freer. This is episode number 62, the Scott Pollard episode, as Pollard wore number 62 for three seasons as a mm-hmm. member of the Indiana Pacers. Although I'm sure our pal Bruce may recall Pollard as a member of the Boston Celtics championship team in 2008. Pollard should definitely be remembered for his variety of different beards and hairdos he sported throughout his career. Feel free to Google that for entertaining uh, entertaining examples of that in, in your leisure there. But before we get to our big special guest here tonight, I do want to remind everyone, Bet Online is your number one source for all your betting needs. Get the latest odds, lines, and the latest matchup reports for baseball, boxing, golf, and more. Bet online continues to be the fastest and easiest way to place your wagers, including live betting and your favorite casino and card games available to play right from your phone. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and get in on the action. Remember to use promo code BLEAV, that is B-L-E-A-V, for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, where the game starts. And tonight, Bruce, I'm going to start with you doing the introduction here for tonight's big special guest. Thanks, Ross. Normally, when I introduce a guest, I have to do a little research on them to make sure I capture their essence, but I didn't have to do any homework on tonight's guest. All you need to know is this. Back in 2014, when Cassidy Halberth and I started working together on a daily basis, it took literally no time at all for me to realize she was one of the 10 greatest living Americans. In a business like TV, where many people have mastered the skill of faking sincerity, Cassidy never had to because she was the real deal. When I was the coordinating producer of NBA Coast to Coast and NBA Tonight, Cassidy was doing a lot of different things at ESPN, but I knew she was a hoop head, and I made it my business to request her to host my NBA shows. And thankfully, the ESPN talent office agreed, and she brought her warmth, knowledge, work ethic, and sense of fun to those now defunct NBA shows. And on a personal level, she's the type of treasured friend everybody wishes they had. Welcome, straight Cass Homie. Oh my gosh. I want you're gonna make me cry this late night. I can't handle it. I mean, you changed my life with with, with, with that decision. Um, truly, I like you, you really are um one of the people who I I can't think enough. Um, you really, you really changed my life. Uh, and you know what we were talking off air that you know, those days. I often think of those days on NBA Tonight and NBA Coast to Coast as some of the best years of my life. So um, I'm so excited to be here with you guys. And like I said, you know, we'll be freer. And Ross, I mean, <laughs> no, no offense, but it's really because anything Killa wants. Killa gets. So I am you know, here in the call and I can't, I, I couldn't be more excited. You know, we loved our NBA Tonight hip hop nicknames. Okay. <laughs> it was one of the ways that we built chemistry with our crew. I mean, you were the ringleader. I mean, Killa B, are you kidding me? I sh- that's what I should have like in that little graphic there instead yeah. of my <laughs> official Twitter handle. And you even coached George Carl on how to create Swaggy G on <laughs> April Fool's Day of 2014. Remember? <laughs> yeah. That, like, I just, it does feel like a blur to think about those times. Um, and the fact that, you know, we got him to just uh, read the prompter and he went along with it. Um, those were fun. I, I even remember showing our like NBA tonight um, cipher to Lil Wayne um, and, you know, he actually thought it was pretty good. So if we can get one of the greatest rappers of all time to co-sign um, our terrible rapping, I think, you know, I think that's one for the books. You know, I want to let the other guys get in on this too, but I want to ask you one question to get started. You've parlayed those early years into an amazing career that is just roaring along. As a kid growing up in Evanston, Illinois, is this the basketball life you always dreamed of? I I, I want to say yes, um, but I don't even know if I had what I'm doing right now, even in my wildest dreams. You know, I 
I always knew I wanted to cover sports, but I, I guess like as a young girl, when I was imagining what that would look like, um, I didn't, I, I didn't fully understand, you know, what was possible. Um, and, you know, being able to be a part of some of the biggest games during, you know, during one of my favorite seasons in my favorite sport. Um, I, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to say that like, yes, this is what I dreamed of because I, th I think it's even more than what I dreamed of. Um, being able to cover the NBA and be a part of, you know, teams, uh, broadcast teams that, um, that like make me better. And I, I, I pinch myself every day. It's, 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 it's truly, truly quite, um, a dream come true to say the least. And Cassidy a question I had for you is we've all seen your show hoop streams, which has been a huge hit on ESPN. There, there we go. The digital platform. Uh, you know, you're also doing a ton of linear TV, such as sideline reporting during games. Do you have a different approach to how you do that content on conventional TV versus digital? Yeah, I think just naturally it's different because of just the setup of linear TV versus uh, digital media. Um, mm -hmm. You know, with hoop streams, there's no commercials and it's it's less buttoned up. <laughs> you know, we're right. we're not um, having to you know get to get to commercial break um, and to hit certain you know time frames. So I think just like innately that creates a different type of um, conversation tone and pacing, if you will. Um, but, you know, I, hoop streams and all of the digital projects that I've worked on um, over the years, I think with digital media, it's changing constantly um, how people consume it, um, how, how people view each, different platform um, and what type of content should be on there. I think so. I think, you know, linear there's, there's been kind of a strategy and a system that's been in right. place that, you know, for, for years that I think still plays today digital. I think you're, you're long for the ride and you're trying to figure out how to like ride the wave, but also get ahead of the wave so um, I don't think you can ever be too comfortable in the digital space. Then you get stale or, you yeah. know, because the way that I think digital media works is you're trying to seep into people's everyday behavior. And I think that changes um, constantly. I think that's one of the things that got me um, involved in digital media was my curiosity and my interest in how it was going to change over the years. Um, when I graduated from Northwestern, you know, I, it was during the time when Twitter uh, was launching and Facebook, you know, um, was kind of finding its footing. And so that kind of timing of when I was starting out in the workforce kind of allowed me to um, grow with, digital media, but now we're in a place where everyone kind of understands digital media, but doesn't know like which direction it's going to go. Like new apps are popping up, old apps are changing before yeah. our eyes. Um, and so, you know, I don't think it's going to look the same in five years. So um, I don't even know anymore what the question was. I mentioned showcase the front of mine. I'm like, oh, I don't know, you know, like I'm I'm thinking like, where is it gonna go next? Um even hoop streams, even like from what I saw from the first year that of doing hoop streams to even last year, it's different. The audience is different. Um there's less urgency. So uh it, you know I think I'm tasked with trying to figure out like what like what's next for sure. Hey, Cassie, your, your colleague Doris Burke will be the network's top NBA analyst next season, along with Doc Rivers. Uh, tell us what Doris is like as a colleague to work with. What, what, what's she like for you? I mean, 
it really is quite a gift to be able to not only like call Doris a, um, a colleague, but you know, she is really one of my, um, best friends right now. And <laughs> like, I know that's a pretty hard, humble brag, but yeah, um, Doris and I are very close and, um, you know, she is the goat for a reason. Um, she is even cooler than you think she is. Um, and she is such a hard worker. And, you know, I was talking to her during this whole period of, um, the decision process of, of, um, you know, being named to that number one team. And I just kept telling her, it's like, man, you've, you've earned this, like all of the hard work that you've put in over the years, like working on WNBA, women's college basketball, men's college basketball, MBA, sidelines, you know, analysts, like the, I, I, like the receipts are there. She's done everything and mastered it all. And um, she has put in the work. And so now she gets to like reap the rewards. And um, I think that she is beyond deserving um, but she is also just someone who is um, deserving to be celebrated because she is a wonderful human being, an amazing friend, and just the um, ultimate pro. And so when you have all those things, you know, I, I think all of you have been in this business, in any business, you know, there's some people who, you know, get to the top finding different routes. I think it's pretty clear how Doris was able to get to the top of the mountain um, through hard work, through, you know, <clears throat> earning respect from her peers, earning respect from her colleagues, having people who, you know, root for her because they genuinely appreciate and respect her. Um, I'm just so happy for her. And, um, you know, even though I look up to her and, um, she, she is someone who, um, you know, I hope I could have an ounce of her, um, her, you know, dedication to this profession, um, as I go along, but I, you know, I'm just so proud of her. Um, she just is like, she's, she's, she's just amazing. So, um, that's what I think of, you know, the decision, they made the right decision. She is our best analyst and I can't wait to hear her, um, you know, call the NBA finals on TV. She's been calling the NBA finals on radio for the last four years. Um, you know, she's been calling the, uh, on the number two team for a number of years. So, um, I'm going to miss being on, you know, a playoff team with her, but, um, I'm excited to get, you know, another season underway with her since we often, you know, get a lot of games during the regular season together. But I think her, Doc, and Mike, I think that could be a really magical team. Um, it's hard to kind of switch up from the longest tenured, you know, broadcast team. Um, but I think they did a really amazing job of finding, um, you know, two dynamic personalities. And of course, uh, Mike Breen, who is just the consummate pro. So I'm really excited to hear what that sounds like. And I think um, it's, I think it's going to be, you know, uh, a great listen. Now, Cassidy, being so close to Doris, and obviously, we know her work on the mic, she knows the game better than pretty much everyone that 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 does the game, game to game calls, especially on a national scale there. Is there one story that really stands out over years working together, whether it be on camera or maybe off, since you mentioned how cool she is off the court as well? Is there just one story that really stands out that you could share with us all? A story about Doris. I mean, it's so hard because I just have so many, like I just, the things when I, when you're asking me that, I just am thinking of all of like the post-game drinks and the laughs we share and just like how, excited she was when she became a grandmother. And, um, you know, it's just, I, I think I watch her a lot and see how, how people react to her 
and um, how gracious she is in those moments. And it's just like a reminder of, um, you know, what we get to do is so it's a privilege and um, she handles everything with such grace. I mean, being a pioneer and, you know, having that type of pressure, if you will, on her shoulders and she carries it all so well. Um, I don't know. I think I just, I wish I had a better story for you. I just, whenever I think of Doris, I just think of all of our phone calls and all of our meals together and, um, you know, all of our like chit chatting before games. Like usually we, uh, you know, we'll sit and make up room together and throw on a podcast and just cackle at each other. So I <laughs> like, I'm sure it'll come to uh, like a good story will come to me, but I, I, I think, you know, really the best thing I can tell you is that she's just so down to earth um, that, you know, like I, it, like she, she brings my like anxiety down before a big game because it's just like, I know I got my girl with me. So um like we're we're gonna get through this together. Um, okay. and oftentimes I'll like hit her during the game and ask her <laughs> like, "Was this? Can I ask this question?" Or, you know, what 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 did you think of this report? And she'll hit me up, and it's just a it's just support. Um, and I feel that from her, and so that that to me is just like I'm the luckiest girl in the world to have that. Okay, I'm going to take you from the calming presence of the great Doris Burke, mm -hmm. and I'm going to ask you to relive something that I spoke about a couple weeks ago. Yes. Two weeks ago when we did our Hall of Fame show, I told a Greg Popovich story oh, no. uh, that involved you. <laughs> Can you take us back to Christmas Day 2015 and describe your very first live sideline assignment? I mean... The fact that I had never done NBA sidelines before. So I was with you in studio for, you know, um, I was a house cat, as I'd like to call myself. They didn't let me out of the, the Bristol headquarters until, you know, that Christmas day. They're like, hey, can you do sidelines? It wasn't just like, hey, can you do this random Wednesday uh, sidelines, you know, um, in, in November? It's like, hey, we need you on Christmas day. Um, and we need you to be in Houston um, as the Rockets and James Harden are hosting like Tony Parker, um, uh, San Antonio Spurs and Greg Popovich. And I'm like, yeah, OK. I was a little naive. I'm like, yes, Christmas Day. And then as I got closer and closer, I'm like, oh, shoot, I got to interview Greg Popovich. This is OK. All right. But. I'm like, it's Christmas day. I'm on the phone with my dad. I'm thinking, I'm like, Oh, maybe I should do something like a little different, get a smile out of him. Um, I don't know. I don't know. And then before the game, we're sitting, we're having the coaches meeting with Greg Popovich. I'm on the call with PJ Carlesimo and Ryan Rucco and PJ and I had done, you know, NBA tonight together for the last two years. So he, and of course, PJ was on uh, Greg Popovich's staff. And so pregame, Pop is uh, PJ is like, Pop, you better be good to my girl. You know, you, be you better be good to my girl. And, and, and Pop, this was like, this was not at the peak of his like, uh, you know, sideline <laughs> bullying, but like, you know, on the way down, I would say. And he goes, well, you know. I don't really like those interviews. Oh, no, duh. We know you don't like those interviews. Um, but he was like, there's only two good questions to ask. You know, what did you like and what do you want to improve on? And I'm just like, okay, I'm writing that, I'm writing that down. And PJ's trying his hardest, but I think it's having the opposite effect. <laughs> I'm like trying to make sure that, you know, uh, Pop treats me well. Um, unfortunately for me, like, it's always the hardest to have a coach heading into the fourth quarter for obvious reasons. Um, but I thankfully had Greg Popovich uh, after the first, since they were the visiting team, um, but they were losing. And I had this whole plan, but I was still nervous because I had asked the first question and I just, in, he was in my head of like, well, there's only two questions that you can ask. Those are the only two acceptable questions. And I'm thinking about, well, what happened in that first quarter down? Why are they losing? There's so much stuff that goes through your head. And I, I, get up there. I'm so nervous. And I, I think I said, my first question was, um, uh, what did you not like about the, what happened in the, what did you like about what happened in the first quarter? And I think I said it like a hundred miles per hour. Cause I just wanted to, <laughs> um, 
And he gave me an answer. I think he said pick and roll defense. Um, so like he didn't, you know, shrug me off or, you know, say that's stupid. He, he gave me an answer. Um, and then I was like, okay, I'm, I'm just going to do it. I, I stuck to my plan. I'm like, well, because it's Christmas, uh, we thought we'd give you a gift and I'm not going to ask you a second question. <laughs> and he wanted, I, he really wanted to give me a laugh, but because they were losing, he gave me a little smirk and he walked away. But I feel nice. like I kind of, you know, I always say that this was like, oh my gosh, I had Greg Popovich, my first um, ever sideline game. But the fact that it was Christmas day, I had like a little out because I had, you know, I could come up with that little kind of kitschy idea. Um, but I survived. And, but it, it wasn't the last time. And um, I got popped many times after that. <laughs> that was that was such a boss move. I swear yeah, to God. <laughs> I mean, it, was, it really was. Not only was it a boss move, but it was like a boss move by a quote unquote rookie, right? I mean, not you were a rookie, but rookie in that role. And it was like, I mean, you handled him, Cass. You know, you're, you're too yeah. humble. You're too humble to say that, but you just you just handled him. Speaking of handling business, yeah. Speaking yeah. of handling business, all right. I'm gonna switch gears here a little bit. Yeah. You became a mom almost five years ago. Viv turns five in December. When we worked together, it was just you and Adam. But in those crazy, you know, those crazy hours and days off, that it was still challenging for you. Yeah. But now what now that you got a little girl that you're raising, what's been the biggest change you've had to deal with in having a family while working such a demanding schedule? Yeah, I mean, it's hard. I I, I, I want to say that it's easy and it's getting easier, but I, I think it's getting harder. I thought it was I thought it was hard when she was young, you know, but really, you know, we had a schedule and she had no sense of time. Um, I, when I went to the bubble, she was. Um, oh God, I don't even know. She was like a, like a, just a little over a year and I was gone for seven weeks and it was torture for me, but she, like, she didn't have an idea the difference between a month versus, you know, um, you know, a week. So that was fine. I think now she understands. Um, and she understands when I, when she sees my suitcase, I'm leaving. And, you know, if, when I say I have to work, it means I'm going to be gone for a couple of days and, you know, that I may miss, uh, a practice or I may miss, um, a performance and, you know, it's, it's hard to disappoint her. Um, and I think the disappointment is different because she can actually say that. And I think, you know, any parent, um, can kind of relate to that, uh, whether you're traveling or not, you know, you always want to be as present as possible. And so I think just the balance of it all, I mean, um, you know, Bruce, you, you talk about like how it's such a boss back, back then, you know, and then I think to, to a certain extent, maybe I was, you know, when I was younger, um, and could focus, all of my attention on, on work. It allowed me to be creative and almost like more free in my work. But now, you know, being a parent, it's constantly um, having to, you know, manage uh, my life and my daughter's life and make sure it's in concert with my husband and our family and making sure that I'm being in two places at once, but also making sure I'm present when I'm in each place. So, you know, I often struggle with like the multitasking and if I'm finding the right balance and the anxiety of not doing either job as best as I can do it. And so I think it's just going to be an evolution. I mean, I, I'm just a different person than I was um, when I you know, gave Greg Popovich that gift. And there are often times where I'm thinking to myself, like, I, I, I'm, I'm a better person. Um, and there are times where I'm like, man, I, I wish I was better. Um, so it's, I think it's just um, an evolution of just, um, you know, being a parent and, um, you know, growing in this business that is constantly forcing you to evolve um, so yeah, I, you know, I, I, like, I love being Viv's mom and there's not a, 
better job in this world um, in my eyes, but it, it, you know, there's a constant having to like keep up on both sides. So um, I'm doing my best. And I think that's, I think that's what every parent, you know, can, can hope to say. Okay. So you, you obviously have a big presence on social media, but like who are some of the, your favorite people to follow on social media, Twitter, Instagram, whatever, who are some of the people you like to follow? I don't know. I'd be honest with you. Like, um, uh, X formerly known as Twitter, you know, has changed a lot. Um, and back to our conversation about digital media, I think my use of it has changed. Um, my use of Instagram has changed a bit too. Um, I think also back to the conversation about parenthood, I'm trying to force myself off of social media when it's tough, when it's like part of the job. Um, I'm on TikTok too much, I think, uh, <laughs> to the dismay of my husband. Um, don't tell him. He thinks I deleted the app. Um, but, you know, I I think, I feel like I, I feel like whenever I'm on TikTok, I'm like, I'm like, but I'm bettering myself because I'm, you know, I'm watching videos that are teaching me how to do things that I'm never going to do. But like, I at least <laughs> I'll have that knowledge and I look, I'm getting smarter as opposed to, you know, uh, Instagram where I'm looking at people's vacations. Um, I don't know. There's, I think when it comes to who am I following that I think gives me any type of value, it's new sites, um, you know, like us and, um, I, I enjoy the athletic as well. Um, any, anything that's going to help me like read more cause I need to read a lot more, um, and not just kind of read a headline. Uh, so yeah, I, you know, I think I'm like in a dead zone though with social media. I'm trying to the summertime, I'm like trying to not be on it. I'm like, my goal is when I get that Sunday, your screen time. I, I wanted to say it's it's down 30%, you know, like that's the goal right now, at least right now when I don't have to, unless, you know, there's James Harden news or Damian Lillard news. Like I want to try to stay off my phone. I've read, I've read three books this summer. Okay. I'm not saying that they're, you know, um, like war and peace, but they're, they're, they're books. Okay. I, I've read actual words inside of real life books. So that's, that's what I'm proud of. I've, I've read books and I've learned how to French braid my daughter's hair. And I feel like that is a successful summer. That, that, that is awesome. All right. All right. I'm going to give you a break from social media. Thank you for retweeting our little promo about tonight's show. Oh, yes, and, of and, course. You know, that, so thanks. Thanks for dipping your toes back into that, <laughs> yeah. into that, you know, just for us. We, we love you and we appreciate you. I mean, we got a lot more ground we want to cover with you. But it's time for us to move on. So I'm going to turn it over to our point guard, Russ, who's going to move us along into the second quarter. Russ? Yeah. So, uh, Cassidy, one thing we do on the show during the offseason is pay homage to the football season with what we like to call two-a-days. So we pick two teams in the NBA, one in the Eastern Conference, one in the Western Conference. And uh, tonight for our second quarter, we're going to start off with your hometown, Chicago Bulls. Thought it'd be great to ask you on them. Obviously, they had an interesting offseason, really didn't make any big was it changes. Was interesting, Ross? Was it interesting? I mean, I think some of their stuff. <laughs> I think it was boring and crappy. <laughs> if you look, I'm a huge Javon Carter fan, so I think that's a little bit interesting there. Okay. But uh, I mean, the Central Division in general is, is very interesting. We've got some young, talented teams coming up with the Indiana Pacers, the Detroit Yeah, that's Pistons. the reason why it wasn't that interesting, Ross, <laughs> yeah. because yeah. they're going to continue to get knocked down. I don't, I'm, I gotta, I gotta, like, you asked me to put my, my fan hat on and I gotta <laughs> yeah. bring my emotions down. Rant so, on, go. <laughs> so what? what's your, I guess my big takeaway, and you're kind of already revealing some of your answer here, is kind of like, what's the hope being a Bulls fan? Like, what are you optimistic about, optimistic about going into next season? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> like, well, I, thanks for coming on. <laughs> I mean, look. Uh, Okay, I don't so think there's like any KK other team that would Mark elicit Evesley, that reaction. They were they were focused on re-signing all their guys. Okay, yeah. they uh, re-signed Vooch, they re-signed Kobe, they re-signed Io. 
Um, I know you like the Javon Carter signing, Torrey Craig. I mean, both of them, they played well last year for their respective teams. DeMar, another year older. Lonzo out again for the season. Uh, Zach Levine, mystery of he even wants to step foot back in Chicago. I, I what is Patrick Williams? Will he ever live up to the height? I'm so bored of that conversation. Just show it to me. Um, I just think that they're in purgatory. That's my thought on the Chicago Bulls. They're just stuck in the middle, and that's like the worst place to be in the NBA. Um, I hope Kobe can get better. Uh, he showed improvements in other areas despite having, you know, a career low in scoring last year. Io definitely had a sophomore slump, but he is a mature young man who has um, some like quiet leadership abilities. So I think DeMar has taken him under his wing, but I just, I don't know what they want out of DeMar Rosen, DeMar and, and Zach, and if they can really work together successfully. And I think Lonzo's injury is a cloud hanging over this team that unfortunately no one wants to talk about, even though it's, you know, in the news right now. Um, I don't know what I feel about the Bulls. I feel like they're not, um, you know, a contender and they're not a necessarily, they could be a lottery team, but they're not going to be a top lottery team. So that, those are my thoughts. I hope I have more games in Chicago. I hope I'm wrong. I, you know, I did that play in game last year in Toronto and that was, it was so fun. And that was amazing. Bring DeMar's daughter to every game, please. You know, like let's, let's, let's start there. Um, like get DR front row seats to every game and let's make this thing exciting. Other than that, I got nothing. I, I, you know, I think everyone was giving Gar Packs um, a lot of, um, you know, flack for just what they did over the years on letting. And you know what it is as a Bulls fan? It's watching guys like Jimmy Butler, yeah. you know, walk away. Lowry Markinen, walk away. Like, I just don't understand. You know why Chicago, a top three market in the country, um, doesn't draw more interest um, in in players. Uh, I, it's I don't know. I'm not saying that I'm bummed. It's just like I think there's going they're going to win games and they're going to be some exciting moments for 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 Bulls fans to like cheer about. But I you know ultimately we know this league is about like what happens in May and June. I just don't think that they're going to be anywhere close to that. Gee, why would anyone think you're bummed? I mean, you said, Gee, I don't know. <laughs> why, why, how could anyone get that impression, Cass? I'm just I'm being a realist about it. You know what? I just want, I want to be able to cover more Bulls games. And No, I hear you. I hear you. Look, I mean, a couple of weeks ago, one of our listeners asked us, you know, Ross does a thing where he solicits questions from our listeners and they were asking which team confused us the most heading into the offseason. And I said the Bulls because, I mean, their big offseason move was Ross's guy, Javon, okay? But they signed Nick Vucevic for like 60 million bucks. His best basketball is well behind him, okay? He's not getting better. He's good, but he's not getting better. And you mentioned Zach Levine. He's got $174 million left on his deal. He has never impacted winning. His team's never make the playoffs. So I don't blame you for being bummed, but I think you might've saved us some time because based on how bleak everything looks, Ross, I don't know. Can we move on to the Warriors soon? I, I think World B has one question here. We'll oh, okay. Be, Go ahead, World. You got one? Yeah, I was just curious because I'll be the optimist of all people, the Knicks fan being <laughs> optimist about the, about the Bulls, but but here it is. They have a top five defense, or they did last year. Which was like of the, out of the blue. Which, the yeah, way. I mean, it was really weird to see the transformation. But the the weird thing about this team was their big three, the Bulls' efficiency was bad, Fair. was worse when yes. the big three were on the court together. Right. They were negative in the efficiency the last two years, actually, not just last year, the year before. You're being optimistic here? I'm trying because I'm going <laughs> to – 
That's he's usually really negative. They, they play, <laughs> yeah, fourteen to nine after oh, the as a last Knicks year. Fan, just, this is a, this is his get back for you know the nineties. This is uh, <laughs> not, no, it'll take a lot more than just this next minute to uh, make up for the Jordan years. But uh, what? And realistically, where is you? What do you think their ceiling is in the Eastern Conference this coming season? Realistically, at best case scenario. Given the way the East was last year, when you see the Miami Heat go from nearly out in the in the uh, playing tournament to the finals, where where do you see the Bulls realistically uh, as a, as their ceiling for this season? I don't know. I think there's like question marks. Obviously, we're like what's going to happen with the Sixers. Um, but to 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 I think Ross's point um, earlier, just the sent. You know, yeah. Like, I think the Pacers are definitely going to be better this year. Um, the, I mean, I think Giannis is going to be on complete revenge tour. Um, I think that the Celtics. I don't know what's going to happen with the Celtics. To be honest, I think they're still going to be a top team. Um, but you know, will they be have the same have the same start and the same expectations? Um, yeah, I'm, I'm sure, but. Um, I think they could be a little bit of like a, a wild card with what happens with Porzingis and his injury, given that they, you know, traded away their heart and soul and Marcus Smart for, for him. That could create some weird blood there. Um, sorry, Bruce, but, you know, I'm sure you have kind of examined it and <laughs> figured out, you know, that there, it, things are going to be a little different there. Um, the Knicks are better, I think. I think. Uh, what? Always better. I mean, you got yeah, the Villanova, uh, you know, New York Knicks. Um, we got everybody except Jay Wright from Villanova. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> I, I, where does what is their ceiling? Okay, uh, I think that they could be a play-in team and win a play-in game like they did last year, and then maybe have a series. Maybe Boom. you know that that's that's and lose in the first round. That's my like. Don't don't come for me, Bulls fans. I'm just, I, I I I'm rooting for me to be wrong too. But I'm becoming impatient, and I don't. You know, I had this conversation with my dad, who's a huge Bulls fan, and he he's not feeling the same type of disappointment as I am or um, in, impatience. He feels like you know, there's some hope there. <laughs> there's some that there's something to like look forward to with the young guys and. Um, he likes the additions too. And I just, you know, I think ultimately if it's, DeM- if DeMar, as much as I like DeMar, it's just, is he still going to be, you know, the straw that stirs everything? Is that the right move for growth on this team? I don't know. Gotcha. Well, we're going to talk about another star that might be stirring something up in Golden State. But first, we're going to take a quick break and come back with the second half. And we're back with the start of the second half here. And Cassidy, hopefully we'll get a little bit more optimism and excitement out of you with this team. And that is out west with the Golden State Warriors. Um, My first question for you, of course, is surrounding Chris Paul. It definitely seems like he's going to have to come off the bench. I don't see why he wouldn't. Doesn't seem like that's quite clear to him yet or it's come to his acceptance yet. What's your whole take on Chris Paul joining the Golden State Warriors? And do you think he can have a positive impact on their chances next season? Um, I think it's going to be interesting. I mean, they had to do something kind of drastic. Um, And I think what was my thought when he got traded? I think it was the same thought that he had, which was shock. Um, and, you know, I think it, it, I think they're trying to be honest about it. You know, um, they're trying to be honest about how it is a little weird fit, but, you know, they're saying that, you know, him coming off the bench and running that second unit is going to be the way that they kind of like extend this lineup a little more. Um, but, you know, Chris is a big personality. He's, um, a big voice and you also have a big voice in Draymond green who has, 
you know, admitted that they didn't like each other. And you have a big voice in Steve Kerr, um, you know, who's also a big personality. You got three veteran like voices. And then you have Steph, who's the face, um, who knows his, the, the, the time the clock is ticking on, you know, their, their window. Um, I think he like summed it up recently perfectly when he said like, you know, we're, we're the hunter now, not the hunted. And that this year is the run that, and that they have to reassess, you know, at the end of the year to figure out what they need to do to, to keep them in the conversation. And, um, I think that can maybe even extend to what happened this year. They, they reassessed and they added Chris to try to figure out, you know, how do we, how do we remain in like in motion without Steph on, on the floor? Um, and so I, I think it's different. I mean, I had a chance to talk to, to, to Steph during summer league in Vegas and, um, you know, him and Chris have gotten a lot of run. And I think it's, you know, what, when you're with one of the most gracious superstars to in professional sports, um, he makes it easy to kind of transition onto a team when you're, when you're bringing on such a, a veteran experience, big name as Chris Paul, um, <clears throat> you know, Steph, we, we saw that with, with Kevin Durant, um, even if there was every, all the other competing voices around of Steph and KD, they had a cordial um, relationship, if you will. But, you know, how will the rest of the team deal with all of the baggage um, that Chris mm-hmm. Paul brings? Cause Chris is still searching for his own first title. So he has pressure on his shoulders too. And for him to transition to coming off the bench, um, with that thought, I think is, uh, is, it's, it's a lot to kind of handle and manage, but you know, um, this is a championship team and also you don't have Bob Myers, Bob Myers, um, you know, he kept a lot of things together, um, including like Draymond, Draymond respected the hell out of Bob Myers. And so, um, I, there's a lot of changes happening for the Warriors, um, and you know they have to take a win now approach, and I think that's what they've done. Um, but the West is hard; they're going to be competing with the Lakers and Suns and Grizzlies and Kings, and um, I think it's actually going to be really interesting with the Warriors and the Suns. You know, they were both eliminated in the second round, and you know. Um, they have like links with each other, given KD is now with the Suns and Chris Paul is now with the Warriors. So um, I think that's going to be really interesting kind of where each of them fall within the West um, during the season. And, you know, I think, I think we all see that the, the clock is ticking. I'm glad you brought up Bob Myers because that was really my next question. Yeah. He's your new teammate now, right? Yeah. He's going to be working with you guys on ESPN. And I'm wondering, I mean, Steph is 35. Draymond's like 31 or 32, 33. Steph, I mean, uh, Clay is over 30. CP3, as you mentioned, will be 39. Do you think he saw the writing on the wall and realizes we are heading straight for a rebuild in the next year or two? And he wanted to get out before he had to kind of emotionally go through the, the the exercise of ripping apart such a classic team? Yeah, I, I don't know for sure, like, what his decision-making was, but um, I think that that's a pretty, um, pretty good assumption. You know, I think everyone can see it. And I think they've been pretty, like, blunt about it, that um, they know that the writing's on the wall. They know that, you know if they want to add to this dynasty, it happens to ha- has to happen now. And um, his contract being up and um, the decision to, you know, not resign, um, I think was also just, he had a good run. And I think, um, I'll say, you know, I don't know. I, I can't wait to actually, you know, get, get to talk to him a little bit more, um, you know, now that he's joined our staff and I, I think I'll be, 
doing some games with him. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to like pick his brain and kind of hear how things, um, you know, came together with him joining us, but I think he's going to have to talk a lot about the warriors um, on the air, you know, being an analyst is being an analyst. Like you have, like you're, you have a responsibility of giving your opinion um, and sharing your insights. So I think um, we're all going to be kind of, get a better understanding of, you know, where he feels the, the warriors are right now and um, you know, where they may be headed in the future. Yeah. I, I uh, came back to CP three for a second. I know he's going to help them defensively. The, the getting more out of Andrew Wiggins, having him around is going to help them defense. Cause they had real major, we talked about it during the season, real major troubles on the road defensively compared to at home and having Gary Payton, the second there for a full season will obviously help and getting rid of Jordan Poole will help them defensively too. People don't realize, but I'm curious because the offense, Chris Paul's offense is unlike nothing that the Warriors do offensively. Right. Chris Paul is pick and roll and no team passed the ball more last season than the Warriors. And, And they traditionally, they do it. You, you talked about the chemistry between everybody there, you know, how Chris fits in. How do you think he's going to fit in with that team offensively? How How's that, in your thoughts, how do you think that's going to look? I mean, I think oddly enough, what I've been gathering from, you know, the team and people around the team is that, like, he may be the oldest player on the team, but the, the reason why they're bringing him in is to help the young guys um, and playing him. I mean, they – they seem pretty dead set on the fact that he is going to be um, just a game changer for Moses Moody. Um, and, um, and I just think, I, I think that with that second unit, I think, you know, he's, he's just going to give them a little bit more like structure. Um, and so I think that that's what they're trying to do. They, they know they need to figure out how to move on from the core set of guys. And um, I just think that he's going to be a huge impact on Moses. And then Jonathan Kaminga is the other guy that they really are excited to see his growth. I mean, I, I think a lot of the backlash on the Warriors last season was you know, why aren't we seeing growth from the younger guys? Why aren't we seeing these guys take another leap? Why can't they stand on their own two feet? Um, why, why is there so much reliance on, on Steph Curry and, you know, um, Draymond and, and the old guys. Um, and so I think, you know, it may not be the way that the, the Warriors have run their offense in the past, but I think it's the thought of, how can we best set up our future, um, our future players, our, our young guys to succeed? And I think they saw that in Chris Paul. So we'll see. I mean, um, you know, I, I like there's we've seen spurts in Kaminga. We've seen spurts in um, obviously like we know Wiggins has it. Um, I I think I think. I, I think I want it to work for all of them. <laughs> you know, I, 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 I want it. I, I, I think a lot of people want Chris to, to win his first ring. We've been saying that the last couple teams that he's been on. Um, but I think, you know, uh, the, I would keep saying that the, the clock is ticking on all of that. Now, Cassidy, as we get into the fourth quarter here, you had mentioned it earlier uh, about maybe some shakeups around the NBA, but it seems that all is quiet on the Western front as of lately with Damian Lillard and not so quiet out east in Philly with James Harden. Harden today here on Tuesday was just fined $100,000 by the NBA for his comments uh, in regards to his general manager, Daryl Morey. Um, let's start with Damian Lillard. Just Having followed the news and being on the inside at ESPN, I mean, at this point, would you be shocked if he's traded in the offseason? I feel like this is going to trickle down into the season. Yeah, I mean, especially since he's basically saying he only wants to be traded to one team. 
So, you know, I think it's about figuring out what the Blazers are worth. I mean, what they're willing to accept. Um, you know, I, uh, they like what what does tanking look like to them? Um, I do think that Scoot Henderson is is, is a special player. Um, I agree. And so, you know, I. I think that draft pick um, is at the root of a lot of the reason why they're in this situation with, you know, Dame wanting this trade. So I, I think, um, I think it's, I think something's going to happen. Um, I just, just, I, I, I don't know like what the Blazers are willing to do here. I don't think that, the loyalty to keep Dame is not like, that's not the motive here. I, I I think they're just, they're trying to not give him away as they should. Um, I think they do want to give that contract away too, though, you know? (laughs) So like, so I, I, I don't know. I mean, I think it's like quiet right now, but to your point, like, I think, um, I think, I don't think any, I mean, Eric Spolstra is in the Philippines right now. Shout out Filipino Jackson. Like we're, we're in like a dead zone um, other than James Harden. Um, so, you know, I think everyone's just kind of taking a, a break. That was, there was so much around Dame. And I, I think, you know, we're seeing some reports that like maybe the Blazers would accept something without Tyler Hero and then, you know, what other kind of teams can get involved, but you know, it's the end of August. Everyone's right. kind of like, don't like they put out their like, you know, vacation um, messages, <laughs> like we're headed into Labor Day. I think come September, we'll, we'll, we'll start to pick up. Um, people will start returning some phone calls. All right, Cass, you've been so generous with your time. The show's 48 minutes and we're a little bit past that. Could we ask you to spend a couple more minutes with us? Cause there's a few more things we were hoping to yeah, of course. Okay, cool. All right. James Harden. Is this dude ever going to be happy? I mean, he he should be so proud of the way he played last year yeah. and how he helped Joel Embiid win the MVP and actually was on a team that had a legitimate chance and probably should have gone to the conference finals and who knows, maybe even beyond. But it's like, is there even a market for this guy at this point, do you think? I don't know. I'm so torn on this Harden stuff. Like I know at face value, he just, you know, this is his third team that he's pushing himself out of. Um, and covering a lot of Sixers games last year. I was proud of him too, you know, adjusting his game and he looked great um, in that role and he looked fit and he was working hard and um him and Joel, when they were working, they like they were unstoppable. <clears throat> so I have a hard time just, you know, if he had an issue with Doc or, you know, like the coaching was the problem, like, all right, you got a new head coach, you're with the MVP, what is it? Um, but then on the business side of things, I, you know, if there, he, he did talk a lot about how he took a pay cut you know, in order for them to sign PJ Tucker and um, get the right pieces. But you're right. Like, when is he going to be like, what is going to satisfy him? The fact that we heard the trade rumors at the beginning of last season, I don't know. I don't, I honestly don't know if he knows what he wants, you know, does he want to win a title? Does he, does he just want to be paid? Does he want to be the man again? I, I don't know. Um, and I just, I do, I wish, I wish that he would remain with the Sixers because, you know, I, I don't want to see another year wasted of Joel Embiid. I just, I just don't. Um, and I think that's what the Sixers, I think that's the position Daryl Morey is in and why, according to James Harden, he, you know, went back on his word. Um, is because they can't, they can't waste 
any years, any prime years of, of Joel Embiid. They just, you know, this guy is incredible. Like Joel is incredible. Um, and they figured something out last year. Um, but you know, if it's, if, if the vibes aren't right, it, it, they're never going to figure it out, uh, you know, fully. So what do I think of James? Like, I just, I just, I wish I like, I wish he wasn't feeding the, the narrative around him. You know, I think he, I feel yeah. like he did a great job last year of kind of like fixing his reputation after, you know, forcing his way out in Houston. And, you know, it was almost forgiven a little bit of what happened, what happened in Brooklyn because of the Kyrie situation. And it seemed like he just wanted to hoop and, you know, Kyrie and all the vaccinations situation. And that's why he, you know, wanted out there and that connection. It's just, it's a bummer, like all around from any which way you're yeah. looking at this situation. Um, because, you know, they, like if he doesn't show up to training camp, I mean, that's all like, that's another step back that this team has to make because they have a brand new coach and brand new system and they need to all gain trust again. And um, I, it just feels very disjointed. Um, and, you know, it doesn't seem like James is going to be showing up to camp. Um, so I don't know. Bummer. That's all I want to say about that. Yeah. Understood. As we get ready to sort of wrap things up here, we want to play a little game with you called Word Association. I'm sure you've played it a million times in a million different ways. Um, we're all going to ask you about to about one person, okay? I am going to ask you about somebody from ESPN and give me the word, associate, and a brief summation of how you feel or felt about this individual. Stuart Scott. Mm. Um, mentor. Um, he's still a mentor for me today because I just think about all the times when, you know, I'd watch him and how hard he would work, um, even through like the excruciating pain he was dealing with, um, with his cancer battle. Um, and he just, you know, watching him enjoy every second when that red light went on and not taking for granted the jobs that we have um, and just, you know, having it give him some like life um, when he was, you know, literally it was being sucked out of him. Um, I, I just, he is, uh, and he was, an extraordinary human being and to have had just like the small amount of time um, I had to call him a friend, you know, I, I think about often when I'm second guessing, you know, um, my commitment or, um, you know, if I'm cut out for this business. And so he, he, I, I still consider him <clears throat> my biggest mentor because uh, he is a constant reminder to be, be grateful for, for this career that I have. Uh, Cassidy, uh, Stephen A. Smith. You know, it's so fun. Uh, quiet. That would be my word. Cause when I know the funniest thing that I like to tell people is that whenever I'm around Stephen A, I'm always like, what did you say? I can't. What? Cause like when he's not on air, he like whispers. Mm -hmm. It's like he's mm -hmm. saving his voice, or he's just like he talks very low, you know. Like he's just, I'm a, you know, like <laughs> I'm like, what did you say? Like I, I that like to me is the funniest thing. I'm not saying that it's like it's it's all an act. It's it's who he is. Totally not an act. He he's but like he's that's the reason why because he's constantly on, even when he's off. He knows like how to like recharge. And so when he's not on air, he's like, I'll talk to you, but I'm not going to, you know, like there's, there's, there's moments where I need to like, I need to re reboot. Um, and I, like, it's just so funny. He's like, 
you walk slow and he's like, you talk slow and it's very quiet. And um, that's, that's my takeaway, Stephen A. All right, Cassidy, with you being the Northwestern grad and me being the Phoenix resident, Michael Wilbon. Oh my God. <laughs> Wilbon. Just, oh, I don't even know. I don't like what's the best word for him. I don't want to like demean him by calling him a teddy bear, but like it's just, I want to hug him each time because he's just goodness personified. Um, that man is like just good. He is a good person who, um, whenever I see him, puts a smile on my face. He is um, so warm and so uh, just just a wonderful human being. And again, another person I'm like, how do I? How am I so lucky that I get to call him a friend too? I mean, all these legends. Um, but he, he, he wears his pride on his sleeve for all of the things that he loves. And because he has all this, like this, all of that on him, that's what he exudes. It's just love and warmth and goodness. And he just is the best. Absolutely. I mean, he's an absolute legend. Well, Cassidy, we thank you so much for coming on tonight's show with us. It's been a joy listening uh, to you share some of your stories. And of course, we enjoy all the work you do and look forward to what you have coming up for us this season in the NBA. We'll definitely be tuned in. And uh, Bruce, I'll let you say a few final few words here to your dear friend and we'll go ahead and wrap things up. You're simply the best. That's just really there's not much else to say. I love you. I'm so proud of all you've achieved. And I love watching you on TV. I never, ever, ever had, let alone a bad day. I never even had a bad hour working with you or being around you. I just, you're the best. Killa, thank you so much. And Chicago Bulls, Eastern Conference champions. Let's go. Let's go. It just changed like that. And uh, with that, that will do it with this edition of the 48 Minutes Podcast on Believe, presented by Bet Online. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll be back with you next week to be sure you're up to date in 48 on all things around the association. Take care, everyone.